Welcome to Spring of Life. My name is Mike Luzinski, and I serve as the lead pastor here. I'm so glad you're taking the time to grow in your faith through scripture, preaching, and the conversations on our podcast. Our scripture starts with Luke 8, 1 and 2. Soon afterward, Jesus began a tour of the nearby towns and villages, preaching and announcing the good news about the kingdom of God. He took his 12 disciples with him, along with some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Among them were Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons. And then in John 20, 11 to 18, Mary was standing outside of the tomb crying. And as she wept, she stooped and looked in. She saw two white robed angels, one sitting at the head and the other at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been lying. Dear woman, why are you crying? The angels asked her. Because they've taken away my Lord, she replied, and I don't know where they have put him. She turned to leave and saw someone standing there. It was Jesus, but she didn't recognize him. Dear woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked. Who are you looking for? She thought. He was the gardener. Sir, she said, if you've taken him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will go get him. Mary, Jesus said, she turned to him and cried out, which is Hebrew for teacher. Don't cling to me, Jesus said, for I haven't yet ascended to the Father. But go find my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene found the disciples and told them, I have seen the Lord. Then she gave them his message. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Welcome. As the slide says, my name is Michelle Blanco. I'm the discipleship director here, in case you're new. Um, I am um, going to be preaching this morning, and um, it's always a pleasure for me to come before you um, and be able to preach God's word. Um, we're in the second week of a series, a Lenten series, um, about the resurrection, which is a unique kind of theme for the Lent, right? Because usually for Lent, we talk about like, sad things. <laughs> and we talk about how the darkness is here and the darkness, um, but Jesus 
is crucified and he's resurrected. But then again, we only feel like we only talk about the resurrection like one time a year. And that is the defining part of our faith as Christians is the fact that we believe that Jesus rose from the dead. Amen? Amen. Amen. So we're going to be talking this week about Mary Magdalene. And so um, I'm going to be um, clearing up some rumors about Mary Magdalene because people have been talking some interesting things about my girl, Mary. And the children are here. And it should be noted that I'm not going to say specifically what those things are because they are not for the young ears. <laughs> okay? And so Mary Magdalene, um, since they are here, do the kids know anything about Mary Magdalene? Oh, we have, we have a volunteer. He doesn't know. He changed his mind. Okay, got it. Okay, we have another one. The first evangelist. I love that. Yes. Thank you. I'm done preaching. <laughs> so, anybody else? Any other facts about Mary Magdalene? Do we have another one? Okay. Yes? The first disciple for that God that God saw. I mean after the resurrection. Yes. Yep, that that, that is true. All right, anything else? Well, Part of our scripture today was from Luke 8, 1 and 2. Oh, did you have a, did you have a comment? Oh, the disciples didn't believe that Jesus came back to life, but she did. That's right. All right, so we have a quick movie clip um, that kind of, even though we don't have really the narrative of what happened to Mary Magdalene and how she got healed, um, we can kind of use our imagination, and this clip that we're about to show you shows you a bit of how it may have happened. And so, um, if it's ready, all right, that was the clip from The Chosen, in case any of you want to see it. Um, uh, so, I'm going to, you know, talk a little bit about Mary's story, but what we know about Mary, right? Um, she's from a town, he says, Mary of Magdala. And so, she was from a wealthy town called Magdala. Um, uh, it says in the Bible that seven demons were driven out of her. The number seven is a number that means completion. So it might mean also that she was just completely overtaken by demons or something bad um, in her life. Uh, she was a financial supporter of Jesus's ministry along with other women. Uh, one of the, she was one of the women at the crucifixion. Uh, Mary Magdalene uh, loved Jesus and was unconcerned for her own life when it came to coming to the tomb um, and doing something that was dangerous. Uh, she witnessed not just an innocent man, but the person who embodied righteousness more than anyone she had ever met being sacrificed by the state. The man who committed to doing no harm to others, even during his arrest and crucifixion. So Mary Magdalene sat with reality. Like she was, she was there. Uh, and present at every important moment um, in those final days. So she called Jesus teacher um, during that, that kind of segment of scripture that we read. And as somebody noted, she was the first person to proclaim the resurrection. So she's known as the apostle to the apostles because she was sent. And so what can we learn 
about this particular part of Mary Magdalene's life. So we have here the crucifixion, right? Mary is entering into a, a space where there is death and there is grief. So Jesus, who was to her a healer, a miracle maker, the man who stood with those whose society left behind. He crossed bridges of ethnicity, class, gender, who believed women should learn, that children were close to the heart of God, whose behavior as a man far outlived any man before or after his time. An unlikely hero from an unlikely town died a tragic and dishonorable death at the hands of the state. It is one thing to lose someone, which is grief enough, is another thing to lose someone and have it be an act of injustice. Mary the Magdalene, from whom seven demons were driven out, who was one of Jesus' closest disciples, followers, a disciple, a woman of means who supported Jesus and lived through this traumatic event, misses Jesus dearly and is now saying, now what? What do we do? What do I do? about the fact that this important man is gone. What happens to the rest of us? Perhaps she wonders, what will become of me without the man who healed and empowered me? A woman with demons in her past, where was her hope? So we just finished a series of, on grief, right? Called Good Grief, right? And in this text, we're seeing a portrait of a woman in the midst of Greek from a tragic unjust and violent loss. One thing we all have in common in this room is that we all experience loss in some way. Mary was experiencing an individual loss of a true friend and teacher, but something else she was experiencing was the reality of seeing in so many people as well as herself the lights of hope extinguish. And that is kind of a unique kind of darkness where you lose hope. Among us here, I know there are those of you that are facing difficult circumstances. There are those with recent losses and are right in the midst of grief. Losses of loved ones, job losses. There are those who have faced or are facing racism in a variety of forms, prejudice, sexism, homophobia, and are experiencing a loss of safety and security. So as we continue in this scripture, we observe Mary coming to the tomb twice. Once without the disciples, and once with, and then she is left alone. She is determined to find Jesus' body. She sees a gardener and asks him if she took the body. Plot twist, the gardener was Jesus. So, and then he calls her very similarly to this clip. He calls her by the, her name, Mary. And I find it interesting that it's not seeing the gardener. It seems like his, maybe she was so overcome with grief that she couldn't see. Perhaps there was too many tears in her eyes. But she does recognize his voice. And she responds to that. And after hearing his voice, she calls him teacher. He then gives Mary the job of the first true evangelist who proclaims Jesus' resurrection. Mary returns and says, I have seen the Lord. A very common theme, if you study the book of John, is that seeing and believing are themes in that, in that particular book. And it's just interesting that 
That's the first thing she says. I have seen the Lord. From this account, Christianity attains its most distinguishing and radical claim, which is that death is not the end. Jesus restores hope to Mary, and she is then able to share that hope with other people. So what does this mean for us? So we can open our eyes and see that many aspects of life, in in fact, happen due to death. There's a quote, um, which is my the only other slide I have, right? So it says, they tried to bury us. They didn't know we were seeds. And that's by Dinos Christianopoulos. He's a Greek um, a poet and philosopher. And we can see the resurrection in many things that are around us. We as Christians are the resurrection people. For those who are followers in Christ, that resurrection is in our DNA, Resurrection is the reality of our faith and the hope of our faith. So I have this little mug here that somebody gave me. um, And it says here, um, since it's way tiny, it says, it doesn't have to be this way. This is from a website from somebody I follow. His name is Andre Henry, and he's a a racial activist. Um, It's something somebody gave me because they know that racial justice is very important to me in my life. And, um, And I used to kind of lead a ministry that helped... In that, in that regard in, the, in my former workplace. And so what it basically means is that whatever, wherever you are and whatever you're going through, it doesn't stay that way and it doesn't have to be that way. So death does not have to be the final story for you. And whatever it is you're going through is not the final story and does not have the final say. We have a message to declare that death is not the end. Disease is not the end. Sickness is not the end. Injustice is not the end. Racism is not the end. Poverty is not the end. Hatred is not the end. Mary's message of the resurrection brings us hope and the promise of life, love, joy, peace, freedom, reconciliation, justice, equality, and healing. What the world has broken, Jesus makes new. So I wanted to share with you a couple of opportunities that we're, some of the things we're doing in the church to participate in this message of life. And so you see in the back there, if you all turn back there, this says, we are all God's children, Jews and Gentiles. And it says, this is one part where I need my glasses. We will not be divided by hatred, racism, or violence. And then you see various pictures there. Um, You also see a post on Black History Month. Um, So there is now an initiative in the Florida Conference of the United Methodist Church to have an anti-racism task force. A goal is to have it in every church, and we have one here, So, um, which I help lead. And Margie over there, Margie Wave. Margie, yeah, that's you. (laughs) She loves to be singled out. Um, (laughs) And so um, that was a joke, Margie. It's okay. Um, so we are definitely recruiting people, especially if, from multi-ethnic, multi, uh, multi-generational. So we would love more millennials and Gen Zers um, to be a part, and you can talk to me or Margie about that. But as far as the wall is concerned, we wanted to have a place where people know that no matter what their background, where they were born, how they were born, um, that they have a place here. 
And there is no barrier that we are going to bring that would keep a person from finding this church to be their home. So that is embracing all to become vessels of God's overflowing grace. In case you uh, uh, didn't notice, that's our mission statement. And so we have pictures there um, from different families. Uh, some of them come from, from our preschool, um, our, our early learning center, and some from our church. And you can bring pictures to me or Margie um, so that we can put them up on the wall. And you'll see that uh, there's a theme, right? There's kids that are kind of in the clothes of their, of their ethnic background, right? And anybody can do this. And so if you are, you know, we are definitely all, most of us anyway, came here as immigrants. Um, and so we have the ability to kind of dig into that past and see where are we from all over the world. And if you have something that, you know, some sort of dress that represents that ethnic heritage, you can feel free to take a picture with your family. And we want to see all sorts of families um, in that, on that wall so that we can let people know that we are about embracing all and that we will not be divided by hatred, racism, nor violence. Because we believe in resurrection. So in place of hatred, hatred racism, nor violence, we want to see those things die. And we want to see in its place love, joy, peace, embracing, and all of the things that define us as the resurrection people. Amen? So, finally, may these words bring you hope wherever you are that Jesus is alive and present and is still in the business of resurrection. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for bringing us all here today from different backgrounds, different races, ethnicities, that we would all in one voice be able to proclaim your resurrection, the thing that makes us unique and brings us together, that you take things that are broken and make them new, that you called Mary specifically, and she was able to experience resurrection in the form of healing from her past and also bodily resurrection of her Lord. And may we be those same evangelists that proclaim resurrection wherever we go, that we can claim that there is life where there was death, and that we can proclaim your love and mercy and life for this generation and the generations to come. In your name we pray. Amen. If you have questions or want to talk further about this message, I'd love the chance to talk with you. Visit us online at springchurch.org slash connect or email me at pastormike at springchurch.org. I look forward to hearing from you. Thank you.